Notorious Fire, such a great name, brings me back to bumping mid-90s rap jams from the one and only Biggie Smalls. Lenny is literally the man when it comes to custom designs. Dude went to art school, like legit college for art. Just look at all his work. This guy has artwork on snowboards and even guitars. He's constantly creating new sticker designs. But more than that, he's customizing tumblers, mugs, glasses, cigar cases. Well, basically anything you can customize at this point, Notorious Fire Company will customize for you. On top of that, his IG game is on point. And occasionally, you even get to see a pic of the man behind the brand. So check him out at NotoriousFire.com or on IG at NotoriousFire. Trust me, you won't be disappointed in his work. What's happening, everybody? I gotta stop saying what's happening to start these things. Everybody must be annoyed by now. I'm gonna come up with one. I gotta practice. That's what I really have to do. I have to practice these intros and like outros. And I don't even know what I would practice doing. Like it's 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 such a polished thing when I think when someone has that down, like how they're gonna start. Um, maybe it's weird in podcasting because like if you're on a talk show or something and the host comes out, everybody claps. So they kind of have that clapping and then they can just kind of swiftly roll into it. Where here it's literally like you kind of hear our little talky intro or an ad, and then it's boom, there's just me talking to you. So, you know, and I listen to a lot of other podcasts and I just don't stack up with some of these dudes when it comes to introing and outroing. I actually probably don't stack up even when it comes to the actual podcast with some of the folks that I listen to, but I'm trying. I mean, maybe, you know, if you guys want to leave a comment about my ability to sound decent on a podcast, I I would appreciate it somewhere or shoot me a message. Maybe shoot me a message privately, especially if it's negative, because then it'll be like bad comment, bad self-esteem, everything that the spiral goes downhill. Anyway, as I talk enough here, my guest is staring at me like, why did I agree to come on this dude's podcast? This is episode 42 of the Size Up by National Fire Radio, in case you didn't know who you were listening to. And I'm really stoked for my guest today because uh, he was suggested to me on another podcast that I was on. I was on uh, the Primary Complete podcast, episode 94. You can check that one out um, anywhere podcast. You get your podcast at, I think, at least, right? You guys are everywhere, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, all listening medias and uh, YouTube. Cool. Well, so as he's talking now, but, you know, so Jeremy Jeremy King is a, is a, a former Primary Complete guy i guess now we call you no still got a small like consultant role help out here and there just little bit but i don't have a lot of time to help out full time yeah, he, he is a quite busy guy too and we're going to talk about what's keeping him so busy if you're watching on youtube you can see his uh, his pajamas that he's wearing aka scrubs right now um but it was so cool to be on the primary complete podcast because it was the first time since the reboot of the size up someone has asked me to be on their podcast and I'm like, hell to the yeah, I don't have to worry about internet connections and recording and messing something up that's going to ruin the podcast. I'm like, that is all on you guys. And as I'm thinking that as my intro here, my Zoom screen just went ballistic before we started recording. And I'm like, please don't happen again. I just want it to work. Because there is one of those things like, and then Jeremy, I'm sure you know, with the primary complete, how much goes into the back end of these podcasts? Oh man, it was a, such a huge, steep learning curve when I, because right, I was just coming in with a small amount of understanding of, of producing and video editing or video capturing and sound editing. Um, but 
yeah, it's, it definitely takes, it's a trial by fire. Uh, a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of mistakes, a lot of missed, a lot of recording fantastic episodes and forgetting to record the, like hit the record button. Oh. And, uh, yeah. The lost the stuff, you know, cause now I've been, even though this podcast got rebooted this year, I've been with national fire radio, I guess, for whenever the hell we started this thing. I can't even remember, but a few years now. And when we've had some lost episode stuff that I've been involved in and you're like, oh, or like the, the memory card got corrupted. Oh yeah. I would get those angry texts from Matt. He would just go off on me. <laughs> Listen, man, I, I'll say it right here. Like, you know, so everybody that's listening here is like, Matt still needs your help because prior to going on, we had way more problems with his camera setup <laughs> than we did with what you and I are doing right now. I'm not bad. So hopefully I get back there. I'm doing clinicals next year. Uh, but no, it was, a, it was a great episode. I, I mean, it was fun to to be the guest and, and Matt and I had a really great conversation just about life in general, podcasting, fire stuff, retiring, you know, all the kind of fun stuff we're going to talk about today, except for the big difference is what you're doing now. So I guess, I mean, right now you're in PA school. So physician uh, associate, is it official for you guys yet or? No, it's still a physician assistant. Okay. Um, they, I guess we can kind of call ourselves it in an unofficial capacity, but everything still legislatively says it's assistant. Yeah, it, it, um, so uh, it's I stumble here. When I talk about my wife, I stumble all the time. If you go back and listen, I think it's episode 38. Uh, my wife is on and she is a physician assistant and has been for ooh, 25 years or so now, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, wow. And it was cool because Matt was like, yo, you should really interview Jeremy. He's in PA school right now. And left the fire service to go become a PA. And that in and of itself is a story that we're, we're definitely going to talk about. Um, but prior to this decision for PA school, you know, what, what was it you were up to in life or, or enjoying the most? Uh, are you talking about as far as work-wise or life-wise? Well, we can go work and life, you know, work-life balance. Because right now, you know, for those, I think this whole, the general concept of this is going to be about you being a PA student for sure. Okay. And I know... You know, obviously I met Tracy after she already went to PA school, but I've know several PAs and it is the most intense medicine program you could be in. Is that a safe thing to say? One of the most intense? I guess we could say one. I would agree it's the most intense thing I've been ever been a part of and uh, definitely very mentally taxing, but that's the general consensus I hear. And that intensity too, like, let's not think of like my last guest who did like go ruck selection. Like, it's not like you're in uh, SEAL training where they're screaming and yelling at you all day and you're up all night. It's just the amount of knowledge you are getting in such a compressed amount of time. Yeah, it's pretty much learning primary care medicine in a year. Um, our program goes a little bit longer. It goes uh, a year and a half, but it's, I've mainly learned everything I should know at this point to be able to pass the pants certification exam. This semester is all about putting it all together, uh, doing mock cases. That's where I'm, I'm in my scrubs right now. I, I just came from one where we practice, we get a, we get a patient presentation and we've got to go through a full history, uh, diagnostics and come up with our uh, diagnosis or our differential diagnosis. And we get graded on those and it's all, and we have a week to prepare for a whole system. So, I had to study everything I learned about GI in a week. 
And, um, and you have, and is it one case that like one case study that you do, like for all that stuff, you're picking out one patient? Or? Well, so we get randomly selected. So I'll do two this semester, but I had to prepare and we didn't find out until uh, yesterday at, at noon who was going. So I have to study like I'm getting ready to go. And then once I found, was, found out I was in the hot seat, it was a little bit of a relief, but there's still next week. It's, it's, it's sort of like, I mean, again, one cool thing about being a PA is, is there's so many subspecialties you could go into. Um, and Tracy talked about that on her episode where when you go to medical school, you know, you're in pediatrics and that's pretty much your career is pediatrics. Um, whereas a PA, you could work in pediatrics, you could work in surgery, uh, you could work in emergency medicine or palliative care. Yeah, that's why I chose it. Um, I was a paramedic uh, for 20 years, firefighter for 22. And um, I always wanted to do more in medicine. I always loved, I, that was probably one of the biggest thing I did in the fire department was I helped run some of the EMS education training guys. There wasn't a lot of paramedics in my fire department that we ran at the basic level. And um, I would help with, you know, supplies and, but life, I, I'm married, I have two boys. And so I never thought I'd be able to break away to go to school, um, but eventually found, um, kind of found that way, pulled the trigger. Now I'm here. Just, just went for it. Which went for it. But that's what I like about the PA because I was able to pick. I don't have to pick a specialty. You know, I can have flexibility. I can go wherever I want. I can work in, under any physician that will take me. And as long as they sign off on me, you're good to go. Yeah, it, it's go. a cool part like that. Again, I didn't really know much about PAs. Um, I knew someone that was was going that actually went to PA school um, when we were both working. EMS together. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Um, now having been married to one for 17 years, I know a lot about PAs. And I think that flexibility, especially when you look at how many of our friends are uh, MDs and they don't have that flexibility. And I'm not going to say that some of our friends aren't happy in their career, but they just can't go anywhere else. Yeah, I actually have a buddy who's an emergency room physician and it's been that uh, he's probably a little he's a little older than me. But yeah, he's he didn't, he really loves emergency medicine, but it's taken a toll on him and it's taken a toll on his family life and kind of everything he sees. So he's kind of starting to look for options, but like he can't just switch a specialty. So I think right now he's getting ready uh, to open up like a hydration clinic as something as a side gig. And that is the latest craze in yeah. uh, medicine. I mean, holistic medicine, we could call it or I mean, it's a big industry, especially in Wilmington. There's a lot of people who pay money for that. Yeah. I mean, when you're in, in a larger city, uh, I think the first place Tracy and I saw that was in Vegas. There was a bus mm -hmm. and you could get on the bus and get driven around. That is genius in Vegas. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like Vegas, Miami, Key West, you know, New Orleans. I'm sure there is a, a booming business in uh, medical hydration. Um, yeah, which is not not only used for a uh, long night out recovery. There's a lot of other things that it is used for. Yeah, there's a lot of vitamin additives, and um, I'm not really too up to date on everything they do. But yeah, no, no, nor am I. But I know, <laughs> I know it wouldn't be bad if we had an MD that wanted to start one, and Tracy would be like, "Ah, come work there with you if you need somebody." I mean, I think even definitely not in New Jersey, but I know there are some states where even medics could work there, starting the lines. Um, yeah, I can see that as long as you've got somebody that could attach to your license, I guess that would. Yeah, there, there's some different rules in different places, but I know there's a few that medics can, can do it. We could not do here in 
New Jersey, you're lucky you could do anything as a medic almost um, besides being a medic. And even that we have really tight uh, standing orders. So I know we have medics that work at like the plasma infusion centers or the plasma, or the plasma banks. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, we might be able to do it here. So when you, so when, what got you, let's go back even before we go this, this route, just to kind of tell the story, like what got you into the fire and EMS service, you know, 20 years ago or so? So I just kind of just fell into it. Um, I was 19 years old, um, six months out of high school, and I was just taking community college classes, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, my brother had started volunteering at a fire department in Wilmington, uh, Myrtle Grove Volunteer Fire, and then a uh, guy I went to high school with did the same thing. And they kind of just told me to come check it out. Um, I showed up and man, I was hooked. I like I just had no direction, but then I was seeing the, the trucks, the tools. I had no exposure. I had nobody in my family that were first responders. But yeah, ever since I just started going to those first meetings, starting to do the training evolutions, I mean, yeah, I just, I immediately quit college. I started working working full time while taking my one and two classes. Uh, the fire department that was, that, uh, we had a New Haven County fire back then would supplement the volunteer fire departments with full-time staffing. So they would provide uh, first line out coverage and maintain equipment and uh, the station. Um, we did have one station by the battleship that was actually full-time uh, for them, but um, that's who I wanted to go work for. And they required you to have at least a year of experience um, working on getting your one and two, your EMT. And that's what I just, I did full-time. Um, so it took me about, I think about a year and a half to finally get my one and two part-time. And then I started taking my EMT and I was amazed at what I was learning, just even at the basic level. Um, and I would get frustrated because I want to know a lot more. And back in 2001, um, didn't have a lot of free access to Google. So I would ask a lot of questions and I would get, just get told, well, you don't need to know that at this level. So I got upset. They started an intermediate paramedic bridge like right after my class. So I just, I jumped right into that. I was, I was still just working odd jobs. Uh, still was wanting to be a full-time firefighter. But uh, yeah, in oath, September of 03, I got hired by both uh, New Hampshire County Fire and New Hampshire Regional EMS part-time. And then a month later, um, actually, I got a full-time job by EMS. And I worked that for six years. Um, was a special operations paramedic running a, re- a medium duty rescue on the south side of the county during that. Um, but then I was working night shift, but that really kind of burned me out. I loved working fire department part-time. I loved fighting fire. Um, you know, EMS, you're just transporting people to the hospital. Get to do some some skill, cool skills every once in a while. So in 09, I actually swapped and went full-time fire, part-time EMS. And that's where I was until I left for school. Yeah, that, that EMS burnout, nobody wants to talk about that because you're just, it sucks to say it, right? Because you said it and I kind of cringed and I'm going to say it and I'm cringing when I'm saying it, but like, you're just bringing people to the hospital. Like you're, you're you, and there are cool things you can do when you have that opportunity, like um, uh, procedure wise, procedurally, but those are even few and far between, you know, it's just like fires. Fires are few and far between for sure for most of us, but I feel like when we don't have that monotony, because I mean, I worked full-time EMS too and, and part-time. Um, and it's just that monotony that if you're just doing that, it's so hard to stay positive. Is that a good word? Especially at night, because you're dealing with like 
the downtown parties and you get a lot of drunks, a lot of, you know, drug users, a lot of, you know, see a lot of violence, um, shootings. And then it seemed like I would never get any viable cardiac arrests. I was either always just calling them immediately as soon as I get on scene because they're waking up, you know, they're wake, people are waking up and finding them dead or, you know, we'd work for a while and it was just, they were just found too late. Um, I really like the term that seems to be getting real big is that, you know, compassion fatigue. And I think that came big during COVID. Yep. I think that's definitely what I was experiencing working nights. Cause when I, when I went part-time EMS and I was just doing limited exposure and working day shift a lot, I got like, I kind of enjoyed medicine again. I enjoyed helping people again. Yeah. That, that compassion fatigue definitely is a, a set in that can happen. And it's crazy too, because that difference between day and night shift and just kind of the, the type, like you said, the type of calls that you run, you know, um, when I became a paramedic uh, into my fire career, I tried to work nights and was like, yeah, I'm not that good of a medic. And my brain, <laughs> my brain works great for fires and extrications and rescues at night for like medics and calculations. I was like, uh, two plus two is what like like, get my protocol book real fast like asking my partner i'm like what does this say and they're like what (laughs) you can't read and i'm like i don't i don't i don't know it's so the print is so small it's nighttime but that difference in the people you you meet because i did work full-time nights ems when i first started um and loved every minute of that but then when you work full-time days you know, your folks that you're meeting, it's like, oh, you went to the doctor today and now you're having a massive MI and we're going to have a nice conversation on the way to the hospital while I'm trying to help you get you to this hospital. Yeah. And all those, all those nursing home runs of the, the you know, the providers are not going to come out there in the day or they get abnormal, abnormal lab values. I love transporting abnormal lab values. Yeah. It's always a classic because you're like, no one's going to do, you're going to come back with these abnormal lab values. Yeah. Go check, follow up with the guy who just sent you here. So now if you work, if you do go into emergency medicine, you'll be the person at the hospital being like, can't do anything with these abnormal values. We're going to send you back. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Years of preparation for this day. It's so interesting too, like these little nuances that, you know, even though we're in different states, you know, there's still that same kind of not culture, but just kind of the way it happens, you know, the way these things go down. Yeah. Going to conferences and talking to people, man, I just, it's just, it's funny how, even though we can come from different services and different states and how way different things are run, man, it's just the same type of calls. It's the same problems at the hospital. You know, the, when I was waiting with patients for like three or four hours during COVID for a, just an ER room, I was talking to other medics from different states, but they were doing the exact same thing. You know, yeah. it's just crazy crates were all backed up like that. It, w- it was so unreal to see that. And here in Jersey, we were getting, I mean, we had a, uh, we had like uh, EMS task force come in from other States because we were so inundated and people are like, Oh, that couldn't be. And I'm like, yeah, man, Kansas city. I was on a call with them. They were totally lost, had no clue. They actually called us because they needed, they needed a Reeves to get the person. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, the fire department carries the Reeves where we are. And we're like, Oh, wow not ambulance carries the reeves where we are and you're where we are now um luckily our rescue carries a reeves so we'll just send we sent i I guess it wasn't in service that day but i'm like i didn't want to say it on the radio that i needed Mm -hmm. rescue out here because the chief would been like what's going on out there we need the rescue truck so i called him on the phone i'm like yo we need the reeves that's in the rescue can you just have somebody jump in and drive it over 
He's like, you need what? I'm like, don't ask. I'll tell you when we get back. We just need a Reeves to move this person. Yeah, we had several, we had several of those uh, FEMA units coming and running in our county. And our supervisors had to like adapt, just pretty much just make um, SUVs that would carry equipment that they didn't have, you know, just to be able to supplement them. It was wild, the bare minimum they would have on some of those units. Yeah, that, that's exactly what we were. And, and it was even crazier. It was an EMT and a medic. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, yeah. You, yeah. Know, you don't have a Reeves? Like, like do you have a stair chair? They're like, Jesus, <laughs> what, what? Oh, whatever. wow. Yeah, it, it was. I don't know if they just sent them bare bones, like just get in the truck and drive to New Jersey. And the people here were fed up by that point. But yeah, they were they were nice folks. But yeah, we saw them like two or three times that day. And I'm like, hey, it's you guys again. It's us. They at least have a stretcher to back there. <laughs> they did. They actually did have a stretcher, believe it or not. It was a really bare bones ambulance. <laughs> it was yeah. like Heartland County or something. I guess I have a picture of it. because I'm just like, this is no one's ever going to believe me that this actually happened here in New Brunswick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I would see them post up in a parking lot somewhere. And yeah, it was just wild seeing different colors running around this town, this county. Yeah, it's interesting too to go back when you were working there. You were a medic unit on a medium duty rescue. Was that a transport rescue or you know? No, it, no, it was. Um, so we had um, like four, so we had four shifts and we had four, just about four or five medics per shift that were special ops trained. No, it was, just, it was a regular rescue truck and we ran extrication coverage on the south side. Um, generally, it was. Uh, one medic and a firefighter from New Hanover County that would ride on that truck um, and then pretty much show up, start uh, start the extrication process. The fire departments would come in and, you know, help out. Um, but uh, but then I would work on the ambulance, you know, other days of the month. Oh, they kind of spread it out for us. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'd rather stay on this rescue. Correct. We, we've had, there's definitely one in New Jersey that still does it up in Newark, uh, EMS Rescue, but I, I don't know if anybody else does that. It's mostly all fire-based. Um, but it's cool to be able to do that. You know, I know like New Orleans has a rescue, Pittsburgh EMS has a rescue. They're really big into that type of a culture. Um, and I think even Pittsburgh EMS, I mean, I know they have doctor response units there. They were one of the first that were doing that, but I think they have PAs in their program too now. I would probably consider that a part-time uh, capacity. I don't know if I do that full-time, but that would be pretty interesting to run EMS as a PA. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're just more supervising, you know, unless it's really yeah. going down, you know, it's the same as having a doctor response unit. Like it's great to have the doctor there. You don't have to call a doctor for orders, but other than that, unless it's really going down, I'm good, man. I got this. Yeah. I can't sit. I can't do a CT on scene or X-ray run lab values, you know, diagnose and treat. You could do the house. ultrasound though. He could do the portable ultrasound. Oh yeah. Oh man. I, that's one of the coolest things I've got to play with here is learning how to use an ultrasound and interpreting these injury, images because it's a it's a grainy grainy ball of like some uh, tissue and then you just got to like differentiate what it is. I, I uh, too have two boys and I had no idea what I was looking at the entire time and like Tracy's like, look, that's that and that's I'm like, it's it's a yeah, it's a screen and I guess you're telling me that's my kid. Yeah, basically it's just like with looking at those, looking at x-rays, looking at MRIs, CTs, you just have to look at a bunch of normal, a bunch of normal to all of a sudden you look at it like, oh, that doesn't look right. And then go from another, there. another fun one. Uh, not so much now on the palliative end, but like she would be looking at home because they have access to, to CTs and things. And she was like spinning through and I'm just watching, you know, the circles go. Uh -huh. it is, and then she's like, oh my God. And I'm like, what? what? what like it was just another circle like, change color <laughs> i'm like it didn't change color like what are you talking about like did, did you see that humongous hemorrhage i'm like where 
what am I looking at? Like, I can't do this. Yeah. And so it's definitely nice to have the radio, the radiologist report, even though sometimes they, they definitely do miss, they do miss quite a bit from what I hear. Well, it's, it's also scary too. And again, just being with her for so long is when they're like, they come back and it's like inconclusive. You're like, you can't say that you're the radiologist. Like it can't be inconclusive to you. I think the biggest one's like inconclusive or could be suspected of this correlate clinically. So it's just like, you didn't tell me anything. I'm still going to go by what they're saying, what they're telling me. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> it did nothing for me in my life, but yeah. And it's things again that like my wife is totally in tune to. And I'm just like, nah, not for me. Like never, <laughs> never going to be for me. So you did the EMS thing and then you jumped over to the fire side, which obviously is the best choice in the world. <laughs> it definitely was. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, I, it's the same department I'd worked with um, for full for part time for six years to that that point. Um, I worked full time for a year. I went through their academy. I even though I'd already been certified, um, worked there for a year. Then I got uh, promoted to lieutenant. At that time, our department was growing pretty rapidly. Um, we ended up consolidating all of the volunteer firehouses uh, under New Hampshire County. So we um, there's. When they first, when I first started, there was 11 volunteer firehouses, and then we consolidated eight of them. Uh, the other two were absorbed by the city uh, through annexation. But then, you know, a lot of the volunteers didn't end up staying, but we started hiring aggressive full-time new firefighters. Um, and then we had to promote a lot of people. So we had a lot of young officers get, or young uh, firefighters get promoted to officers. Uh, yeah, I, uh, Went from lieutenant, they reclassified us to captain. And when I left, um, I was a zone two captain, which is kind of a category that the county classifies us as the county government just for pay scale. But uh, regular zone one captains are just line captains. Okay. Zone three captains are admin captains that work in like logistics and training. And zone two captains, there's one per shift. So I was a relief battalion chief. Okay. So I worked under uh, a ship battalion, uh, had extra, yeah, I was still on a truck. But I would just ride when my uh, boss would uh, take off, and then uh, I just had extra admin duties, maintaining the daily schedule. You know, every guy that wanted to check sick had to call me, and I had to scramble to find coverage, which is you know, exactly fun. how that goes right now. As I am the uh, acting deputy chief currently, hopefully not for too much longer. My chief had shoulder shoulder surgery, and uh, actually today they're promoting another captain, so we'll split okay. those duties hopefully before my chief comes back, but you know, I, I mean, I've been around for a bit, so I guess that kind of helped, but to imagine to go through that, that quickly and you know, growth is good. I wish my department would grow. Like if we were able to kind of do things like you did and, and annex out other towns or areas and take that over, it would be awesome for us. But again, you also have the growing pains when that happens. So Yes, there was definitely a lot of growing pains, definitely a lot of contention with the volunteers. And then we started very shortly after that. So we kind of sandwiched the city of Wilmington. So the city of Wilmington is right in the middle of us. And in order for me to go from the north side of the county, you have to drive through the city to get to the south side. And we did some mutual aid, but um, we ended up starting doing automatic aid, uh, joint training. We had joint um, policies and procedures and uh, tactical guidelines, uh, which was contentious because they were all paid of course since since 1876 i don't even remember how long they've been and so they they still had the paid versus volunteer mentality when it came to us and it was a little rough going but by the time i left we were pretty 
well-oiled, like responding to calls, just like one department, training together like one department, all knew each other. Um, it was pretty, pretty awesome experience. Again, too, it, if everybody went into that expecting those growing pains, like you knew, like I know if we were to, so the only way my department could expand is to take over volunteer departments, you know, because that's who's surrounding us, the same type of a thing. And that would never be easy, you know, but so, you have to go into it like this is not going to be easy. We're all going to butt heads. It's probably going to suck for a minute and there's going to be a lot of hurt feelings and bad things said, but we're going to come out better on the other side for it. We had a few people that try to give inspirational speeches like that. It definitely, <laughs> at the moment, it, it was kind of awkward and tough to deal with. But I mean, after years of just failing and things just not working out well and got, you know, kind of older guys retiring out because they didn't like how it was running and we got newer blood to come up and like to play better. It's definitely hard to, you know, because when I first got hired, we worked a different shift and then we, we changed our schedule and the older guys were not happy that the schedule changed. And I'm like, I can understand that. Just like, depending on a change you would make now, I may not be happy because I've done it this way for 20 years. And now you're going to tell me in my last few that it's not going to happen this way anymore. So it's that understanding. I think that's what you have to have. Yeah, we did the exact same thing. We do end up going from like 2448 to the five on four or five on four off shift to just to match the city of Wilmington. It's a two, not five on, but like 24 on, 24 off, 24 on, 24 off, 24 yeah. on, four days off. Yep. I can't, I don't even know what you call that. I'm, I don't even know. I ended, up, I ended up loving it. It was, I, yeah. I know people that do it and, and they like it a lot. I mean, it's just, it, it depends on what works for you. And, and there's some times where it really doesn't matter if it works for you, you have to make it work. So oh, you could yeah. be miserable and be miserable, or you could figure out how to make this work. Yeah. Was, yeah. We definitely had a lot of guys that did not like it, but once they figured out, Hey, I can take the last day of the tour off. I got six days off. You know, they, they got on board pretty quick. Again, once you figure it out, right? Like mm -hmm. that's the easiest way to say with anything you do is, is once you kind of figure it out. Who doesn't like the smell and feel of leather? Looking to fulfill your custom leather needs? Well, as we say here in Jersey, I got a guy. Rob over at Ridgeway Leather Works is literally that guy. Several years back, I happened to be sat next to him at a mutual friend's wedding, and this dude told me more about leather than I ever thought I needed to know. His passion for his business is evident in the quality of his work. His team and his family hand make all their gear. So whether you're looking for a radio strap, a radio holster, a pair of suspenders, a chin strap, a locker tag, or really anything leather related, Ridgeway's the place to go. So check them out at RidgewayLeatherworks.com or on IG at Ridgeway Leatherworks. And tell them Pip from the Size Up sent you, and maybe you'll get a special jersey treat in your package. So that decision then to be like, all right, I really love this fire job. I have a great schedule. Everything is rolling good. I guess your boys were nine and 12-ish when you were making this, this decision or? Yeah, about-ish. Like yeah, because they're 14 and 11 now. So, um, so yeah, how did that, what was the spark for that? Because you, in New Jersey, people rarely leave a fire job. Uh, until they retire is an easy way I can put that just because of the way we're set up here. Um, so I know in other States people leave all the time for different reasons, but how did that all come about? So riding as the relief battalion chief and zone two, um, I really enjoyed it. It was a great learning experience. My chief liked to take off a lot. So I was on the truck, on, on the car a lot. Um, but 
the room to go up was going to be it was going to take a long time for me to actually grow uh, to become a battalion chief because we had only had three that were on the line and they're not retiring anytime soon and being a zone two captain only, you know i was only paid just a little bit more but i had a lot of duties thrown on me so when i started viewing that admin side of the department versus just being a line captain i wasn't quite happy and satisfied and i started just feeling like i wasn't that you know kind of hard to put it into words but it, it was like i just i knew that that's not where i really wanted to be what? you know if, if i'd have stayed i would have had to i would have value eventually devoted myself back down to a zone one captain if a position came up um just to go back to because i could i couldn't totally devote myself to the guys because i was constantly being pulled by scheduling changes doing admin duties you know i, I was responsible for you know if anything happened at a station broke i had to put in work requests and follow those up and um listen it's so, lonely in that car i can say that yeah. from a couple of months of doing it and now i have a driver again we got we hired some more guys and so it's, wow that's nice. a driver. yeah it's very and, and it's my buddy and but like oh, i was just telling someone the other day i'm like when you're alone in this car for 24 hours like and there's no one to talk to like you're so you're so used to being on the company and you mm -hmm. get back in and whatever just happened you're all talking about and hopefully you work with the people you like or however that works but like we jump in that rig and someone's talking pretty much the entire time on my company i get in the car alone and i'm like man i'm gonna talk to myself now while i drive around <laughs> yeah that was definitely the exact same mentality you know because I, I you know I, I love my crews my you know especially you know my last full-time crew i had a long-time crew early on in my when i first became an officer i got a i had a rock star crew that helped me grow and I didn't have to worry too much about them. It was like, it was very important for, for me and my, in my development there. But my last crew was uh, very close. And um, yeah, then I would be on the battalion chief or the battalion car and I would have to leave them and, or I'd have to go to a response on the other side of the other side of the County. And yeah, it definitely is a, a lonely job. Our, our rookie it's funny like now i'm thinking thinking of things that have happened when i'm alone and like our our rookies are like tied to our floor watch desk pretty much that's what you're doing for a year is, is hanging out at that desk and it's right by where i park and so if i'm alone i'm like backing in and like i'll get out and just start talking to them and they're like it could be about absolutely nothing whatsoever i'm just like i've been in this car for 30 minutes by myself i'm gonna talk to you about something or whatever it is i need to i need to talk <laughs> Yeah, so I just I knew that that I just knew it kind of in my my heart that I was kind of ready for something else. I still love you know, and like you said, fires are few and far between. You know, it's mostly a lot of community events and a lot of car seat installations and smoke, which are important. And I'm glad that I knew how to do those and did them a lot and make sure the community was safe and cops do sound. that. Yes. Go to the cop. <laughs> Go to the yeah. here. I'll give you directions. Go down this way, and make a right. We'll take care of you. <laughs> so yeah. So I just, I just wasn't happy. Um, and I always respected the PA profession. Like I said, I, I was always, not, I mean, I'm definitely not the best at medicine or EMS, but I, I felt myself was pretty good. And I wanted to, I've always wanted to grow in it and always respected the PA profession. And I had a buddy who I was on shift with for a long time. He ended up leaving and going to sonography school to become an ultrasound sonographer. He does like fetal medicine now. Um, and I sat down and, and talk to him about it and he kind of gave me the perspective of leaving that department and pursuing something better um, it allowed him more opportunities 
uh, especially to be able to go anywhere he wants in the country. You know, it's kind of hard just to pick up from one fire department as a captain and go work at a captain in another department around the country, yeah. you know, especially if they have different certifications or unions. Same thing with a medic. You have to you know, transfer your credentials somewhere else. So there wasn't a lot of flexibility. And um, I kind of talked to my wife about it. And we ended up just, just started exploring options. So we said, what does it look like for me to go back to school, for my family, you know, to get them set up? And so we just started just doing small things. Like, you know, I hadn't made a decision yet, but I just, we just started getting our debt straight, you know, refinancing the house, you know, get, getting savings. And then I started taking like online community college classes because I didn't have a bachelor's, I had a fire science. I had a fire protection associates, which doesn't equate into a biology undergrad degree. In, in any way, shape or form near yeah. it. <laughs> so I just started taking community college credits that would help me uh, to transfer to UNCW in Wilmington. And um, yeah, once I got to a point, and plus in my career, so my retirement, because I was full-time ENS first, and then I was full-time fire next, I only had like 10 years in the retirement system. And we're a 30-year retirement uh, okay. in North Carolina. So I was like, I'm not quite halfway yet. So once I got halfway, that was gonna be the breaking point of either I'm you know, gonna move or, move or stay. So I was only 10 years in and knew I wanted to move on. So I got, once I got close to being able to transfer, I put in my notice and went part-time at the fire department while I was doing full-time uh, bachelor in the same place. So I was still able to work. So that, so that was still giving you a couple of years then until you could even go to PA school to get your bachelor's. And there was part of this journey. And there was no guarantee I was getting into PA school, which is the scary part. The so I humongously scary part because yeah. PA school is not easy to get into. Correct. So I, so I had like plan B is like, I can go do clinical research or I can go do this, which I'm so glad I'm not going to go sit in the office doing clinical research. Hopefully I'm not going to fail out of here, <laughs> but um, yeah. So uh, it was just a huge leap of faith. Um, a lot of praying, a lot of, you know, trying to, just a lot of trust and then and a lot of hard work i mean that, that's what it's coming down to you know because because tracy again is in this spot where you know she mentors a lot of people like everybody's kid that wants to be a pa i feel like in the state of new jersey and maybe some other states somehow gets in touch with tracy the pa um like well, i definitely mentorship yeah i definitely reached out to a few and, and i knew some medics that I worked with that went on to become PAs. And I had talked to them and they kind of were telling me like, hey, you're the type of person they're wanting. It's who's experienced, who's, you know, they like to, you know, the older mature candidate because they get a lot of 22, 23 year olds with not a lot of experience. So um, yeah, and I, so when I finished my bachelor's um, or not, well, before I finished my bachelor's, I uh, applied for sort of my application process once I finished my prereqs. Uh, ECU was my first choice because it's two hours from my house. I do have to live away from my family during the week. I have an, I'm in my apartment right now. Um, so I applied and luckily it was my first interview and I got early acceptance. Like the next day I got a phone call Wait. and then, yeah, it was, a. I mean, it was the relief, the weight, the burden that was taken off. of. I might not succeed. Finally got taken off of me. And then I got more interviews, which I ended up turning down because ECU is a fantastic program. It's got a great reputation. Uh, it's the cheapest state option too. So that was a big, big, big bonus because I'm yeah, living off of loans. And <laughs> you know, my, my wife's doing great. She's a nurse at the hospital in Wilmington. So she's 
we've got we got her set up to where she takes care of everything there and then i'm here doing this here and my boys have been rock stars helping to take care of things it's they, de- they definitely have to grow in this process too yeah i mean they've been a big part of it we're a big part of your decision and and i'm guessing the way you're talking about it is you explained all this to them you know like yes they I'm not going to say they had a vote, but they had a vote would be my guess, right? Into how this is going to go. We just kind of sat down and talked to them about what this could potentially unlock for our family. You know, the, the, the you know, we, we, my wife and I both lived in Wilmington. It's a coastal town for 30, over 30 years. And we would, we love going to the mountains. We love being in the Western part of the state. Um, so I think eventually, once I'm finished, it'll be able to unlock where we can go move to those places closer to the mountains, closer to things to be like. Our boys are excited about it. So that's, even though they gave us, they gave me pushback and they miss me and they're constantly asking when I'm coming home. Um, we talk a lot about the future just to keep things in perspective. And that seems to be really helpful with them. And and, and that's it. Like, it's 100% to be expected that you're going to miss them. They're going to miss you. And they're learning throughout this whole process. And if you're keeping them involved in it, I mean, just knowing what PA school is like, I'm sure they are probably uh, mini clinicians in a way, just being around you when you're doing things, you know, if that's something they may be interested in. Yeah. So my my oldest, uh, Noah, he just started high school this year and he's taking a health science class and, um, he wants to he wants to modify cars and make them fast. He loves street cars. I'm taking them to car shows all the time. Mm-hmm. But for some reason he's taking this health science course. And I guess it might be because of me. But he's like asking me for help for like anatomy and stuff. So it's pretty cool to see him taking like a general interest in what I'm pursuing now. Yeah, you know, the boys, it's interesting with with kids in, in jobs like both the fire and, and Tracy's uh, physician assistant job, you know, when you bring we, we, as much as we all try not to, we bring work home with us, right? Oh, and absolutely. Especially, you know, when she has a trying case, you know, we try to shield the boys from some of that, but at the same time, it's also part of life, you know, and that's what her podcast was about with me was kind of normalizing death and dying in, in the palliative world. And my boys don't hear everything that goes on with mom at work. They don't hear everything that goes on with me at work, but they hear enough to understand and grow and kind of learn from that. And I think it's something that people in, in the, it's weird because I keep saying our, in the fire and EMS profession do a really better job than most. Um, where in the medical community, a lot of people try to shield their kids from, from their work end. Yeah. Especially COVID. I remember when we've, first worried about the shut-ins my wife and I were discussing strategies because she was working in the surgical trauma ICU which also staffed the COVID ICUs oh boy so I you know she was getting exposed on that end I'm getting exposed to an EMS and fire and we were coming up with strategies on how to turn our garage into like like a containment place for if one of us gets sick or if one of us gets and there was actually I spent a week in my in our my master bedroom waiting for test results to come back just trying oh. to shield it but yeah like yeah that's that and you know the, the boys can pick up when we come home you know just emotionally with you yeah. know having a hard day or my wife's having oh my God, a they, trying time they picked up on it in covid and yeah. our change you know they were old enough they're i mean they were pretty much the same age you know but they were old enough to see and like we also had the more for tracy than me you know she was coming home 
going in the garage, getting changed. I'm like, boys, you stay in the living room. Mommy's like running upstairs naked, you know, making sure the door's closed or she has a towel if we didn't put her robe in there so she could go jump in the shower. So I could go and like get her clothes and decontaminate them. It was like this whole fear, especially in the beginning. I mean, that didn't go on for ever, but like that was a big part of it. And they saw all that and they saw the stresses that we were going through from knowing us prior to that, what a normal day at work would be, and then coming home like that. And they definitely learned a lot about it. I don't think either one of them are going into medicine or fire, EMS, anything like that, but you never know. But it's cool to have them be a part of your journey because they see you putting in that work, especially at school. Like, Oh, yeah, because I'm definitely bringing it home the weekend because I'll come home on the weekends to see them, but I'm, I, I got to go off and study a little bit. I've got a, I've got a big exam coming up or, uh, yeah. There's definitely no stopping studying here. We, we may jump back into that because Tracy's looking at her master's or her whatever next. The doctorate? Um, whatever next. We can just call it now. Okay. <laughs> she, she has the certificate. You know, so are you in a master's oh, program? You're in a master's I'm, program. Yeah, I'm so in a master's program. Tracy's so old school. She has the certificate of like suitable for framing on the walls. I like to, I told her, I'm like, man, I got more than that when I became a paramedic. Like... <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy hearing some of our older professors talking about that. I mean, just it, a lot of it was a bachelor's program, getting a certificate. Yep. And now there's a big push to try to go doctorate just so we can so we can look good on paper to match the nurse practitioners, even though it's similar profession. I know, I know all about. I'm sure you do with her the AAPA. Yeah. <laughs> I know all about it. I was in Nashville and we talked about it all the time. AAPA and what it's it's like stupid firehouse shit is like the easiest way I can explain it. Like when, when all the PAs get together and everybody's talking and this, that, and this, that I'm like, just go help the people. It's just like uh, us, just get on the fire engine and go put the fire out, please. Yeah, It's not going to make us better clinicians. It's just, Let it's it. just an educational PhD kind of like type of deal, but I don't know. They've been, they've been trying to push it on. They've been trying to educate us on it. They've had a lot of guest speakers do Zoom conferences or try to promote these uh, Dr. Bergens, but I don't know if I want to do any more school after this. And why should you when you could go out? Like the reason you became a PA is to go PA. Like I want to go PA. I don't, it's the same as with the, the nursing tracks that they have. Like you wanted to be a nurse, at least I would think, to go be a nurse. Like I want to go nurse people want to go nursing and, and work on floors and take care of people but if you stay in school for these advanced degrees you miss that part you know it's kind of like no offense but you know firefighter lieutenant chief all in just because you took a bunch of classes yes yeah i know i fully agree i feel like a tool saying that to you because it's kind of how your career went even though there was part-time and all that kind of stuff but i feel like a tool saying that no, looking back on it now, you know, before I got to take offense when guys would say I like, promoted fast back in the day, but I was definitely young and naive. I learned I had a lot of trial by fire, but um, I look back on it now, and definitely if I, if I was able to do it over again, I would have done it in a little bit, a little slower fashion. Enjoy the lower ranks before I start jumping into upper management. That's what I try to tell guys that would come in that would like, they wanted to promote so fast and I try to like, slow down, you know, enjoy this. Learn the step first, you know, get used to it. 
I'm telling you. Enjoy handling the hose, not doing paperwork. You know, you don't want to do reports. <laughs> lonely on the car. It's lonely in this office. It's yeah. lonely with the white shirt on and every, it's way more stress. Like I'm really excited to get back to my company, like to get back yeah. on the truck and be like, yes, this is it. And, you know, and it all depends on your mindset, but to me, like, I really like being a company officer. You know, like I really like having the company. I really like going on the calls. I definitely like going into the fires as opposed to standing outside and pointing and looking and talking. And so it's the same type of thing. Like, why do you want to rush through your career without actually practicing? And I think as, as a PA, it's amazing. Like the practices you could do, like how you can, whatever you choose to do. Yeah, I'm very excited for clinical year because everybody keeps asking me, like, what do you want to do? What specialty do you want to go into? I'm like, I've been in emergency medicine for 20 years. I don't I don't know anything else. So I'm excited to go work in primary care for or do clinicals in primary care and internal medicine. I want to have a few surgical rotations. So I'm going to get the exposure on stuff that I, you know, I don't I've never seen before. I've only seen very briefly and I'm, I'm very excited to get that exposure and try to learn what I want to be when I grow up <laughs> when I'm done with you. <laughs> and it's funny too, because one of the things you had talked about to me earlier was that you know, you're the oldest in your class. Oh yeah. So the average age here, it's like 23, 24. There's a few in the mid, mid late twenties. Um, I've got two uh, good friends here that, you know, one's 36 and she's got a, a daughter and she's got in the same situation where her family lives away. And another guy who's 31 with a kid. So I've got a couple parents with me that, you know, we keep us sane. And they're also, you know, one was in the Navy, uh, the 36 year old, her husband was a Marine. So like, it's almost like talking to them. It's almost like talking to some of my old crew, like firefighter, you know, we get, you know, it's like being the, the, the firehouse and we talk, well, I hope they're not going to watch us, but, you know, we'll kind of talk trash about some of the, the younger people some of the young it's okay you talk trash about the young kids man what are you gonna do they're young they'll get over it but it's been i would say like even the younger ones are great here because it's such a competitive program it's such a you know it's 1800 applicants a year only less than 200 get interviews and we're like we're like 30 or a class of 36 so everyone here you know was top of those ranks had the top of the gpa very focused very driven I had to do a lot of community service hours. I had to do a lot of, you know, extracurricular stuff. So they're, they're a lot more different maturity level than when I was an undergrad, you know, with the 19, 18, 19, 20 year olds that were very awesome to intermingle with. <laughs> I was the creepy awesome. old guy that just sat in the back, just head down, you know, mouth shut. Company, they, they, they get a foot. Actually, I didn't have the beard until I came here because I was still working in the fire department then. Oh, okay. So you couldn't even have that. It's the creepy old dude in the back of the room then, not talking. And then they like get forced to like assign to me and like we both just roll our eyes. And, yeah, it's just fun stuff. I really, I really recommend going back to school. It's, it's totally. a fun experience. Anyone, any of the older adults out there listening, go back to college, they said. It's just like starting yeah. a podcast. It, it would be fun, they said. Yeah. If you do it online, then you won't have that interaction. <laughs> You'll miss that whole subculture of society there. But I think too, with, with a PA program and knowing, again, just being on mostly Tracy's side of the mentoring conversations, you know, just how competitive it is and just how much work you have to do just to get your foot in the door when the real work starts. Yeah. I had to be super focused. That's why I went back to school full-time because 
lot of the programs didn't didn't like online classes, online labs. You had to have a really high GPA, especially in your core required classes that they that they had. Um, but like three months into me started COVID, then everything went online, which was good because I actually got to go back to work and do my do most of my stuff online. So I was able to work part time. I was they still kept me on as a captain then, so I did, I was able to work at any rank. Uh, but yeah, it's. It took a lot of effort, a lot of work to get here, but it's nowhere near what I'm doing here. The, the, like you oh, said, the amount of work theme, to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Every day I'll show up and we'll do like a different system. And it's like, here's 30 cases, here's here 30 type of disease processes or injuries or um, anatomy. We'll do like every single muscle in the back in one day or, you know, nerve innervations. Um, yeah, it's just insane. Like you're basically just getting, they say it's like drinking from a fire fire hydrant. You know, you got all that water. You're just trying to get what you can. Thankfully, they record the lectures so I can go back and watch it on two times speed. Because like I'm maybe absorbing 20% of it when I'm in class. And I'll go back and just rewatch it over and over again. Rewatch, restudy it. There's so many different resources. Thankfully, there's lots of cool podcasts where guys, just like in fire service, there's P, there's PAs that come up with all these fun acronyms to help you remember, you know, everything you need to know. So, all the fun, crazy stuff. But yeah, they're not, they're just doing it for free. Whereas, you know, the fire service, the guys are smart. They get paid to go to conferences and, and, and give out, give out those they, they, they did, I don't know. Maybe they do that at the AAPA conference. I don't know. I don't know. I, I only went to, I only attended one class. I can't, <laughs> I can't speak to that for AAPA and got some maybe, free stuff. Maybe I can start that trend, start making that money. The teacher circuit money. <laughs> Could be it. So that's what I told Tracy. She's got to get on for that for sure. You know, it's crazy too because you know you have me like going back, and uh, when Tracy had to recertify and take the exam again, she's like studying like crazy, and I'm like, babe, you work in a level one trauma center. Like, what do you think the derm PA is gonna worry about when they go to take the cardiology like like part of the test? And she's like, yeah, they're probably studying just as much. But like she said, it all kind of comes back to her once she gets back in the books. Yeah. And then the information has changed by then. So like, luckily there's like some great resources that help prepare just the exam and give you those buzzwords that help kind of refresh your memory, give you the new treatment line protocols. And I think now the PA uh, recertification starts with like a two year, almost like a, you're slowly taking it now, instead of taking one big exam, there's like a almost like a CME type thing that they're doing to lead up to recertifying. She was in like the test cohort for that. So there's something along those lines that she helped develop, I guess, or so. I can't keep up with my wife. She's so famous and popular in the PA world. I just, <laughs> I'm just along for the ride, man. That's what I said. Two, um, two power couples from the fire from the PA just tearing up the world. Literally, literally, I was at AAPA with her and I'm like, you're the rock star here. I'm just going to take your picture. And that's all I did. I'm like, I'll take the picture. <laughs> Need me to take the picture? I'm just, I'm, I'm just her eye candy here. But it's such a cool profession, like, and it's so exciting. Um, so can you kind of talk about that? Like what parts of it you're really looking forward to? Like, I know you said you're looking forward to your clinicals, but like, what do you really think, you know, direction wise you want to do? So being a PA or being a paramedic, I thought I had a good idea of what it was like to be a PA just from being in the emergency room, um, seeing how they work, but this whole different mindset of being able to bring in somebody's problems, um, coming up with differential diagnosis, actually being able to interpret diagnosis. Like I, it's taken 
my skills to a whole different level, but mostly mentally, mm-hmm. like using my mind a lot more versus my hands versus, um, you know, machines. And um, that's probably been the most awesome thing is before, you know, I go to a nursing home for abnormal lab values, they'd hand me a sheet. I'd look at it and be like, sure. I see a red mark there. I, there's an arrow. I don't know what it means. It means something. I don't know. But now I can look at, I get those and I can kind of interpret that. Oh, okay. Their sodium's low. This is probably, that's the reason why. Or they maybe haven't had acute, uh, uh, acute kidney injury or uh, DKA. Um, and then, oh, well, this is how I can now start to fix this problem. So I, I'm taking my skills to a whole nother level and then I'm able to still follow up. So EMS will drop off those patients that were really awesome, really interesting. I did a lot for you lose that follow-up, you know, I'm no longer a part of that care. Now, now, for the most part, I can come back, is what I'm doing helping, is what I'm doing harming them. I can adjust. It's almost like detective work, you know, is, is you know, now we can switch up, try medicine B, try medicine C, we can try this procedure, refer out. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to the most, is just using my mind a little bit more, critically thinking, um, and having that more extended care with a patient and not in a house or in the back of a bumpy ambulance getting, I feel like I'm going to pee blood every time they hit bumps. Yeah, to see but them. Yeah, but I could. That's a big part of it. It's just kind of like I, I could slow down in this type of medicine and spend time with a patient, not r- rushing in, rushing out, actually get to talk to them. And yeah, that's kind of. I didn't really know like the full extent why I wanted to. I knew I wanted to, but now that I'm here immersed in it, like I'm really looking forward to that full long-term care and being able to like help people through a journey versus just the little, you know, it's brief that, moment in their life. It's that uh, theory, that compassionate care theory about why we all get into medicine and in EMS, it's easy to become kind of disjaded and salty, I guess. You know, and it's, it's easy in any field to do that. But EMS, when we were talking about just that call volume and call after call after call, but being able to see the outcomes. I mean, I remember being a paramedic and just happy I woke up a diabetic. I'm like, yes, I did that. I did that. I started the line and now you're woke up again. Yay. Yeah. And I, th- I think going from that mentality of they're just a patient for EMS to why they're now a name that I know and I can come in and they know me. And just having that little bit more familiarity um, versus that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Nice. Well, you just got to stay out of emergency medicine then because it's the same theory there because they're just in the door and you're bringing them someplace else. But, you know, and I got to see that from with Tracy being an ERPA to moving to uh, being a hospitalist and actually caring for people over an extended amount of time um, and her change in, in from being a younger you know, hotshot PA to what she's kind of doing now as a hotshot PA and older, but like, it's just a different type of medicine. And I think, again, that's the coolest thing is you get to do all those things. Like that's the biggest complaint of doctors. They get to do one kind of medicine. Yeah. I'm ready to slow down a bit. I'm not sure about emergency medicine. I say that I'm going to the emergency room tonight at six o'clock till 10 o'clock in the shadowing. Um, it's still kind of fun to see that stuff. And okay. I know I know PAs that worked in a kind of a long-term care situation, but then still moonlit on the EDs. They, were, they used to be paramedics. So they'll moonlight the EDs just to kind of still have that um, quick in and out. And, you know, I don't know about thrill, but pretty cool amount of skills. 
if I was like halfway smart, I'd love to moonlight on a paramedic truck again, but I'm not halfway smart. I, when <laughs> I stopped doing it, I was like, I kind of forgot all that stuff, but I still get to go on EMS calls, just stand there again and be like, fireman, we don't have an ambulance. We don't have any meds. We have some oxygen and EMTs. Stop your bleeding. Yeah, I stopped working on the ambulance last May. Uh, the summer, it's basically took the summer off before I uh, came here. And even now, like doing skills, like we did IVs not too long ago. And I did a lot of like teaching for that. But even me, like I had to start a few just to knock the rust off. And like, you know, I'm starting to lose those skills or like, um, but the skills part here has been pretty fun. Like actually, you know, going from just starting an IV to now doing a thoracentesis or a pericardiocentesis or chest tubes, central lines, like th those are, it's pretty cool learning those skills here too. It's a win. A chest tube is a win when you need it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That is for sure. Well, listen, Jeremy, I don't want to keep you because you do have to go to the ER at six tonight. And, you know, you've been in class all day and I, I can't thank you enough for for jumping on here. And, you know, I know Tracy's going to listen to this one and she'll probably yell at me a lot for things that I said wrong or about her, however you want to be. But like, it's just so cool to meet someone who's done my job and now going to do my wife's job type of a thing like for us just to have that kind of connection is pretty awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. I wasn't quite sure what you're going to get out of me coming on here, but this has been a really great conversation. And uh, yeah, I look I forward to it. a lot, man. If you're looking to be a PA, yeah. you should listen to this podcast for the folks out there that are at AAPA who aren't going to listen to this, but it's a good podcast to just kind of give a, a general overview of something, especially to, for the EMS folks, even fire folks thinking of leaving to go do it. Because one of my wife's really good friends, uh, when she first started working, he actually was a retired uh, Philly PD sergeant and then went to PA school, went to nursing school and then went to PA school and started working like he's probably 60 when he started working, maybe in his late 50s. But it was so cool to be like, dude, you did all that and now you're doing all this, you know? I do want to say like to all the paramedics out there, like if you have a little bit of experience in EMS or even a lot of experience, it is definitely this is. This is the natural transition if you want to go higher up in, in uh, medicine because that's what this is. This was designed for medics. This was designed for medics coming out, you know, out of the military, come back from uh, so Vietnam. From Vietnam. Yep. Yeah, from Vietnam. Um, so I've had a baseline knowledge here that not a lot of most of the people in my class don't have. So it's I haven't had to try as hard. I'm still you know being inundated. It's very hard, but having that baseline knowledge and the ability to talk to patients and to be able to critically think and use your brain on the fly. Like it's, it's definitely like, if you, if you were really considering it, you know, your experience will definitely help you here. I think too, with that, so many medics just go bridge medic to nurse and it is a, a, a lot. E I want to say it's easier, but it is easier. It's not easy, but it's easier than going to become a PA because you don't have, there's no bridge. You know what I mean? You're starting fresh no matter what, where with nursing, you can do the, whatever it's called, the CELA program or. Uh, I think there's Excelsior. Excelsior. I know that used to be yeah, one called Excelsior. Something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. But you can do that. And again, like I feel like as a medic though, knowing so many PAs, knowing so many medics, I know so many medics that make great PAs just because of what they've done in the field. Yeah, I know the medic I'm shadowing tonight at the emergency room used to be a paramedic. And then I shadowed not too long ago in a month, but he was a nurse practitioner, but he did that route. He went paramedic to nursing and then became a nurse practitioner. I know 
very different ways. They're kind of like at the same end goal, but if you go RN, that's kind of that second step to get to NP versus going from Paramount to PA, you're just going right into it. Uh, cool, man. Well, listen, man, I, I can't thank you enough, but I can't let you leave without answering the size up 10, which I am starting to do some stuff with. So these may appear somewhere uh, in my crazy editing world, if you don't mind. Okay. I really don't give anybody a choice. I always ask them that. It's like, no <laughs> one's like, what, like you're going to send a hang up and I'm going to be like, wow, that was the worst episode ever ending. Like, no. yeah, I don't think I was prepared for this, but sure, let's do it. That's good. That's the whole point of it. Like, and, and it just shows like no one really listens to the end. So it works out. All right, here we go. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Night out or night in? Night in. Definitely. Mm. Especially now. <laughs> a good book or a good movie? Good movie. This is the one that throws everybody, so be ready. Cross-country road trip. Who's your celebrity co-pilot? Oh, Harrison Ford. Oh, that's a good one. That is Han a good Solo, one. man. Han Solo. Yeah, I was thinking actually going to say like Indiana Jones, but Han Solo too. So total, total work there. Jeff Bridges would be a close second. The dude. Oh, the dude would be awesome too. Yeah, I, I thought I was going to get to meet the dude once, and it didn't happen. But I was like, oh man, so excited. So. <laughs> This is why this takes forever, but we're going on vacation to Iceland in a few weeks. And in Reykjavik, Iceland, there is a Big Lebowski bar. Oh, no way. And we are going. My old shift partner, Trevor, uh, he would absolutely go nuts. He is a, he's a, he's a dudist, a registered dudist. He's a, I'm not even kidding. I'm like searching things in, in Iceland to do. And I was like, bars, let's just see. And it was number one. I'm like, this is we're going. I cannot wait. Well, you better post it on, on Instagram. Oh, I'll hell be, yeah. I'll be right there. Yeah. <laughs> that may be like, I'm going live. Look where I am. Awesome. Uh, do you make your bed every day? Yes. Nice. I, I feel there was that one um, admiral that did a speech at a college that said, you know, start your day by making a bed. And that, that's, that's what I've tried to give myself here is I've accomplished one thing. I can now go to school and start accomplishing the next. Yeah. 100%. If I could just convince my kids of this, it would work. Yeah, right. For me. Yeah, my kids, my kids rooms are disasters. So a million dollars right now or go back to 18 with a redo? A uh, million dollars right now. Pay off them student loans. Smart. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Buy me a new car. <laughs> Screw the loans. Buy a new car. Mm -hmm. Highways or back roads? Ooh. Is what mood I'm in. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of a point A to point B type of, point a to point B type of guy. So highways. Right there, jumping on the highways. It's funny because you think about it and you're like, is he asking me this? What's the reason he's asking me this question? There's some mountain roads that are pretty cool to go on. Yeah. So football or football? Oh, football. football Sorry, Alice. Yeah. All right. Last my, one. My friend, my friend here is British and she just, she just constantly like, goes off about american football versus soccer <laughs> or football it, it, it's it's it, it is a beautiful game that's all that's where we'll end on that one I which do one like soccer is the beautiful game i oh, like football man. but i really like football much better every time they put it on the fire station like for the world cup or something i'm like out in five seconds <laughs> <laughs> uh all right last one best advice you could give to your younger self wow um, learn and grow from your mistakes because that's like don't run from them don't be, beat yourself up about them but they're going to get you they're going to make you grow and be stronger than you were 
been just by ignoring them or being afraid to put yourself out there to make mistakes, to put yourself out there if you have a dream to follow it because you only get one life. That is awesome, man. And that is, uh, it's my favorite question to ask at the end because I just feel like, you know, we talked for an hour about a lot of stuff, but that just kind of summed you up in what you can give advice to anybody about anything because that was a, a great ending. So I do appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on. Pip, it was great to meet you and I'm, I'm glad I was able to do this. And 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 uh, to Matt too for, for, you know, pushing you over my way. Uh, Shout out Primary Complete Podcast. Everybody check out the Primary Complete uh, Podcast, especially episode 94 featuring yours truly. Um, I was I'm in there somewhere. I think, <laughs> I can't remember where I'm 20 or so episodes behind. Nice, 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 nice. He said too, he's like, you know, it's going to be a good episode. I could already tell. And I'm like, all right, cool, man. I don't even know this guy, but I'm sure we'll be able to talk about something and, and figure it out as we go. So I think that's, that's the fun part of podcasting is meeting new people. Um, and these last couple of episodes I did, aside from my wife, is brand new people that I got to meet and make new friends with. So it's always cool. Man, it's always a pleasure. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, listen, I'd like to just take this time always at the end, like I do to kind of Thank everybody for listening. Thank uh, the folks over at National Fire Radio. Seb, I waited till the end again to say your name today. So I got to get you back in next episode. We got to talk about Sebi and his editing skills a little bit earlier because I always give him credit at every episode I do. Um, thanks to all you already said it for listening, but you know most of the sponsors out there that have been helping us out, Ridgeway Leatherwork, uh, Notorious uh, Fire Graphics, uh, one of my last guests from District Fire Company, uh, Jake, has some awesome apparel going on out there. Uh, New Breath, uh, my great cold immersion tub, which is making me feel better and better each day. Um, my buddies over at Olympus Construction here in Central Jersey, uh, one of the guys I work with, this is his company. So I'm definitely repping him. If you're in Central Jersey, uh, check them out for all your general construction needs. <laughs> and to all the PAs out there listening, especially... Uh, my palliative PA or your palliative PA on Instagram, Tracy, you know, thank you all for what you do. I know you're such a essential cog and really like the people that were promoting that full team medical concept, if you ask me and being on that team to take care of people uh, soon, just like Jeremy will. So until next time, this is Pip for the size up by national fire radio.